0: This is The Guardian.
1: I'm Jane Lee, and this is Campaign Catch-Up. It's Tuesday, the 17th of May. Today, political reporter Paul Karp joins me from the Coalition's campaign bus to talk about the government's final stops on the trail. But first, here's what happened today.
0: We've just got four days to go.
1: Polling is not working in your favour, every which way we look at it. Are the polls keeping you up at night, Prime
0: Minister? No.
1: Prime Minister Scott Morrison was in Darwin, where he announced the government wants cuts to the public sector to deliver $3.3 billion to cover its $2.3 billion in election promises, saving the budget $1 billion over the next four years. Morrison said the heads of government departments would decide where these cuts would come from. Now, if our senior public servants, yeah, and they're paid well, if they can't find $2.7 billion out of a budget of 327.3, well, I've got a lot more confidence in them that they can achieve that. This is a sensible, practical measure, which is, I think, responsibly being applied to ensure that you responsibly manage your expenditure. It doesn't impact on programs or services at all. The Community and Public Sector Union estimated that 5,500 jobs would be lost under this plan. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg used the announcement to pressure opposition leader Anthony Albanese to release Labor's costings.
0: He is simply hiding from the Australian people the fact that under Labor, taxes will be higher, deficits will be larger, and debt will be higher. And he is not prepared to do what the Coalition has done, which is to put our policies forward in a responsible way for independent costing and verification.
1: Albanese was in Perth, where he repeatedly avoided questions about how big the budget deficit would be under a Labor government. Do you know whether your projected deficit is higher or lower than the Coalition's? We will announce that on Thursday. There's no point announcing it now of course then, I, I, I want you to be there on Thursday, I
0: don't, want, I, I, I don't want to disappoint you. Last one.
1: While we'll probably have to wait until Thursday for Labor's costings, Shadow Treasurer Jim Chalmers left the door open to a higher deficit than the government. The most important thing here is not whether deficits are a couple of billion dollars each year better or worse than what the government is proposing. What matters most is the quality of the investments. And 71% of aged care workers still haven't received any of the Prime Minister's pandemic bonus payments, which were promised four months ago. That's according to a new poll. New research has also shown that aged care homes are still struggling to meet the average minimum staffing standards required by law. Both major parties have promised to get registered nurses on-site at aged care homes 24-7. But only Labor's promise to back the push for a pay rise for aged care staff in the Fair Work Commission. Defence Minister Peter Dutton has lost his defamation case against refugee advocate Shane Barsey. Dutton sued Barzi over a tweet which read, Peter Dutton is a rape apologist, arguing it implied that he excused rape. But the full bench of the federal court today ultimately decided that the tweet was not defamatory because ordinary readers would have gone on to read the Guardian Australia article that it referenced. Coming up, Paul Karp is here to discuss how the Prime Minister is campaigning in the final days before the election. Hey, Paul, how are you going? Good,
0: Jane. How are you?
1: You've joined the coalition bus in the final week of the campaign when everything's at its busiest.
0: Yeah, we've been to Brisbane, Cairns, and uh, today we're in Darwin.
1: Well, apart from busyness on the trail, what's going to be unique about this week?
0: Well, there's been a lot of Jenny Morrison. Jenny has been with Scott Morrison on just about every campaign stop. It's also been interesting to see that he's been spruking the policy of super withdrawals for first home buyers <laughs> But uh, he tends to start his mornings by meeting one or two young couples that might have got a home builder grant, but then he spends the rest of the day uh, talking to, to older Australians. Yesterday in Cairns and today in Palmerston, he, he met over 50s or, or retiree groups. So he, he, he likes small groups of young people and, and larger groups of older Australians to talk to out on the trail.
1: Yeah, I guess that gives you a little bit of an insight into where he's focusing his priorities for the last week of the campaign as well in terms of the
0: broader electorate. The interesting thing is about where we've been going is he goes to seats that I think get him the best pictures, but also where he can stay out of the way of places where he's less popular. So we were in Brisbane. And Labor's targets are the seat of Brisbane and Ryan and Longman, but the Prime Minister's events yesterday were uh, in the seat of Blair, which is Labor held, and it would be a bit of a stretch for the coalition to win, but it keeps Morrison out of places that he might be less popular and he might be costing votes rather than um, winning them. So
1: I've noticed, Paul, you've been trying to ask about economic modelling on this super for housing policy. I got a question in today. You did? It just seems like it's quite difficult and challenging at this pointy end. I mean, how much harder is it at this point to get an answer on something that the government clearly doesn't want to be talking about?
0: Well, they don't want to be talking about it. They, they've said that the price impact of the super policy uh, will be marginal or minimal. They've pointed to it'll only be five billion dollars coming out of superannuation, but they have refused to release modelling. So we, we've tried across two days, and that they're obviously not going to do that. At the same time, they're also chipping Labor for not releasing their budget policy costings mm. and accusing Anthony Albanese of being a loose unit for backing a wage rise. But all, all the while, they can. make assertions about that the policy impact won't be that big on the housing market without really saying why.
1: Paul, you've been watching Morrison up close. How would you assess his performance on the campaign trail so far this week?
0: Morrison is described as as a great campaigner and the reason for that is that he's relentlessly on message in press conferences and he's very good at generating the images of, you know, the bon when he when he meets the carefully selected voters. So I think he's doing a good job in generating the pictures, but I'm not sure whether it's enough to recover what is a, a larger poll gap even than last time. And it's he's left it very late to introduce some new messages into his campaign. You know, at the end of last week, it was, I've changed uh, or, you know, I'll no longer be the bulldozer. And then on Sunday at the campaign launch, you know, the the big new idea of accessing uh, your super to buy your first home. Those are a lot of messages that he has to try and get before undecided voters in the last week. And one gets the sense if the campaign were going well, he wouldn't have had to have done the humble moment and and I will change.
1: What will be the best case scenario and the worst case scenario for the coalition in the coming days on the trail?
0: best case is to try and keep the conversation on their superannuation withdrawal policy. You'll hear a lot more of Morrison saying it's your money and Labor won't let you have your own money. Of course, they don't mention all the strings that you know are attached to it, like you have to plough it back into super when you sell the house. Mm. So you'll be hearing a lot of that from Scott Morrison and they'll be hoping that the glare of media attention and scrutiny uh, will start to take some paint off Anthony Albanese, you know, where are your costings for the next day or two, and then when the costings are released, why are you having a bigger um, budget deficit than the coalition? So those are the key messages they want in the last few days. Mm. The worst case would be if they actually run into a retiree who's very angry, like uh, that gent in the pub in the Central Coast. So if the carefully uh, stage managed nature of the events doesn't guarantee a clear run. One day of bad pictures on the TV news isn't that significant if it's, uh, you know, five more weeks to go in the campaign. But if it's five more days to go in the campaign, that might be something that sticks with people. And yeah, I mean, the worst case scenario is that the news cycle moves on from the super policy and the people that that is uh, designed to help don't know about it when they cast their vote on Saturday.
1: We know that the wage price index and unemployment figures are due out in the next couple of days. How challenging is it going to be for the government to keep talking about its ability to manage money amid all of these cost-of-living headlines?
0: Well, tomorrow is a big test. I mean, the RBA said that they lifted rates because they'd heard from their business liaison unit that employers were going to give wage rises. But if we don't see the wage price index pick up tomorrow, then that is absolutely going to turbocharge Labor's campaign line, which is everything is going up but your wages. Mm. Um, so they'll really be sweating on that figure. Uh, and the government line on wages, of course, is, you know, low unemployment will naturally lead to higher wages, but the test for that is tomorrow.
1: All right, great. Thanks so much for your time, Paul. will let you get back on the bus. Cheers. Thanks. That's your campaign catch-up for today. And if you haven't yet, please go check out Catherine Murphy's Australian Politics podcast. All of our Canberra team will be answering all of your questions about the election one last time this weekend. Make sure you go and subscribe now. Just search for Australian Politics wherever you're listening to this podcast. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria, Alison Chan and me, Jane Lee. The executive producers are Miles Martignoni and Gabrielle Jackson. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.